Hi, everybody. Randy Robinson here with Savage Words Podcast. Those of you that don't know me, I was lucky enough to be on Dog and Beth on the Hunt for three seasons. I was on uh, Dogs Most Wanted on WGNA, and I also appeared on uh, Dog and Beth Fight for Their Lives on A&E. I have one of my most favorite people here. Uh, I want to introduce you to her. Her name is Jamie Jungers. And those of you that watched all the episodes of Dogs Most Wanted, you'll recognize her from season one, episode six, Saving Jamie. Hi. Jamie. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, sweetheart. How are you? Very good. And of course, our uh, one of our favorite little dachshunds. Well, she is not little. She's like what a probably a forty pounder. One of our fa <laughs> favorite little little dachshunds is Apple the Dapple. Yes, Hi, Apple. She's burning in the bed. Oh, Apple. She, oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, she was a little broad. Hi, Apple. <laughs> Hi, baby. So why don't you tell everybody, you know, just kind of like, um, you know, introduce yourself and kind of tell everybody uh, how we met. My name is Jamie Jungers and we met because I decided to abscound and run back to Las Vegas from Kansas where I was in trouble at um, in 2018, I believe. Yes. And and um, Rainy was nice enough to hold my dog, Apple, while I was in jail and do video visits with me, send me pictures. Um, and she also made sure that Apple got back to me before I was even released from jail. So thank you, Rainy. Oh, you're so welcome. That was like so important to me. I fretted over that a lot. And I just fretted over, you know, she was, you know, everyone said when we were, you know, when everyone was on the hunt for you, everyone said she loves that dog. She loves that dog. She loves that dog, you know. And so we knew how to get to you would be to get the dog. So we got the dog. Plus, you know, she was like kind of not in a you know, very safe environment. And it's funny because everyone that we ran into go, can we keep the dog? No, you're not keeping the dog. <laughs> you know, you know, she's reunited, you know, I had many conversations with your mom and stuff. So tell everyone how you even made it out to Las Vegas from Kansas. Cause you, you were, you were actually born in Kansas. Yeah. Yes. I'm from yeah. Wichita originally where I went to school. Well, I went to several different schools growing up. Um, but my mom moved us out to Las Vegas, my sister and I, in 98, uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. So that tells you how old I am. 20-year <laughs> reunions coming up next year, yay. And um, I stayed out there after I graduated. She, my mom's sister, moved back to Oklahoma. And of course, I was going to stay in Las Vegas instead of Oklahoma. And um, decided to pursue my modeling career, acting, um, charitable events, and later on is when I got into drugs. You know, anyone that did, like anyone that does a Google search just on your name, I mean, some of those photos are just really beautiful. And, you know, I was curious, like when you actually made it, uh, so you went to Las Vegas and then you went to school there and then you got into the modeling part. Is that, is that how it worked? Uh, kind of. Um, I think my first modeling gear, excuse me, my, my first modeling career job was the World Shoe Association, WSA, okay. and that was for BCBG Shoes, I think. Oh, wow. I, think I love that. Yeah. Love I do too, yes. Wow. I'm all for a lot of name brand shoes, Playboy, yeah. um, Carlos Santana, wow. uh, 
God, Max Zari, a lot of people, a lot of different companies. And then it just kind of um, went from there. I started with different agencies. I didn't sign with anyone exclusively. Yeah. And um, it and, just kind of took off. And so how did, how did everything kind of make like an abrupt left for you? You, you did the modeling for how long? Oh gosh. Um, up until I left Las Vegas in 2015 when I didn't return until I counted, but, um, I was still doing stuff out there for, uh, different conventions and trade shows and print work and right. um, a few side gigs, of CSI Las Vegas, Entourage, Ocean 13. I mean, nothing, nothing, but it was fun enough to where I could actually meet some of the cast and see what they got to do, you know, how the shows were made. And, um, yeah. Oh gosh, I did a lot of different things in uh, Pirelli tires. Um, that's great. So yeah. how, how did, after all of that, I mean, that's kind of like kind of a hefty little resume that you got going on. And so how did your life actually go? Like, how did it take the left turn? Um, I just got caught up in the lifestyle of Las Vegas, the Sin City and, um, going out every night, partying, you know, it would start out socially. Um, and it was fun in the beginning, you know, how all addiction started, always starts off fun. Sure. Getting around, I can't even say the wrong people because there are good people that don't deserve for me to say that they were bad, but um, we decided to take pills and drink beer. And we did that at the pool all day. We'd go to sleep maybe for an hour or two, go to the nightclub, do it all night, go to the after our clubs after, after hours started at like four yeah. or five in the and it would just continue for a whole summer and and I'm, I'm curious like uh, you know because of doing what you did I'm sure there was probably an element of that that was kind of expected of you to you know socialize and be in those groups and that cut kind of stuff as well right yes yeah yeah and like I said the drinking was social for a while but then once I was introduced to the pain pills um drinking on top of pain pills or with the pain pill and not knowing the effects of the withdrawal symptoms that I would have from not having a pain pill, I had didn't have a clue what I was getting myself into. Like I'd heard a little bit about addiction and the rock stars getting hooked on heroin and all this. Sure. And I'm, I'll never, I'm sure I'll never see that in my lifetime. And then it just went from taking a pill on occasion to drinking with the pill to needing it every day and to being a, I needed it to function basically or thinking that I was functioning and then. Um, after getting into the whole Tiger Woods thing, um, not knowing how to handle myself in the limelight and coming into a little bit of money that I came into through all that, it was a way to kind of numb myself and think that that's what I wanted out of life. And um, after doing that for so long, I decided that I needed help. So I decided to detox on my own, but I didn't go to rehab yet. I think I stayed clean maybe a couple of weeks from that and then obviously got right back in. I knew nothing about recovering what it took to stay sober and um just I finally gave in and decided to go to an actual 28-day treatment center in Las Vegas and okay. um I didn't stay clean a whole lot longer after I'd left from there but it was long enough for me to get a little bit of NA and AA in my system to understand what it really meant or what it took but I just wasn't ready at that time and then well, do, you, do you feel like Las Vegas like kind of pulled you back in, you know, because you get like kind of little antsy and it's like all this fun is all happening without me. And, you know, did you have, did you have those, that type of anxiety when you were, when you were in? Yeah. 
Yes and no. I mean, I think that would happen at any rehab. It was co-ed um, mm -hmm. and they're a great, great rehab. It's just whether you're ready to actually get clean mm -hmm. and use the tools that they give to you and teach you. And um, I, that was kind of downfall was the co-ed part of it. You know, it's hard to take yourself serious and actually focus on yourself and your recovery when there's men and women together, especially when you're dealing with issues, you know, everybody's got a little bit of insecurities and oh yeah, trauma bonds, all kinds of stuff. You know, yeah. PTSD, there's all like there's reasons why people end up and plus you could have like an addictive type of personality that starts, you know, when you're, you know, very young and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And then, you know, like, you know, it is a different, you know, Las Vegas, I, I lived in Nevada for, uh, well, I lived up in South Lake Tahoe, right on the border of Nevada and California. And mm -hmm. those types of areas, they have like two separate, they have two like separate cultures. There's the culture that parties that comes up and, you know, uh, the gamble and smoke and drink and do mm -hmm. all that. And then there's like the people that are very serious and they raise their families. And I, so it was really too like separate. And Las Vegas is like that too. And yeah. I think that when, you know, your source of income actually came from that kind of element. So I think that it's, it would take a very, very strong person, I think, to dissect and keep separate the two things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no one ever thinks that it's ever really going to happen to them. And, you know, fast forward to you got, um, there was a bond that was written out of Kansas for 10,000. And uh, it was actually really a small bond. And uh, the, the person that actually wrote that bond actually reached out to Dog to see, uh, actually reached out to Beth to see if we would all come get you. So Beth was in, um, Denver and I was in California and then of course uh, Dwayne and David went down and get you, got you but that was a tough hunt and they kept saying it was a tough hunt. Uh, there were uh, you know how it ended up is that there were three um, there were three men that were actually uh, you know funneling you kind of like in this circle so and they were always one guy behind so they'd get to that guy and you'd already been you know already went over to the other one and you know, that was really hard. And I was so pissed at these guys because they did, didn't get it. They didn't like, you were like my daughter and mm -hmm. you did, they didn't get, you know, how, how much did you weigh? Like 90 pounds, 92 pounds. It was like some, like. Yeah. Very, very underweight, very yeah. malnourished. You know, and I was like so worried that, you know, like they had no problem, like, like killing you. And that's how I looked at it yeah. is that they, you know, like Beth always said, when angels run towards you, don't run away, run to them, you know. And of course, you know, having, uh, you know, fear and anxiety and all kinds of stuff that you had going on. I was just really glad that they ended up getting you. And, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, played a massive trick on them. You know, we, uh, they thought that they were going to get like a $5,000 reward. And what they were going to get was like a high heel shoe right in the eyeball if I ever got down there. You know, that felt the same way too. You know, it's like, how could you do that to somebody? But, you know, when you, um, you went to Las Vegas first, you had some small little charges there, which were not a big deal. And we knew that you were going to be transported, but I fretted a lot over that because I was so worried that I didn't know if they had a detox there. I knew that you, you know, what was your drugs of choice when you went in? It was heroin and speed. Is that what it was? Well, by the time I was picked up for the last time, yes. Uh, well, heroin and meth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think at that time, I, I think, I can't recall. It was on so many things. It, yeah. 
And I fretted over that because, you know, stupid me, like I'm the researcher of the group, you know, so I researched it and then I popped up with a couple of deaths in that one particular jail over uh, detoxing without them getting medical care. And then I found out I had, I sent somebody down to find out where you were and uh, you were actually across, the facility was right across the street. Is that what happened? They took you to the uh, no, it was still, I was still in jail, but they have a medical uh, part in jail when you come in and you're detoxing off alcohol or benzo, something that your body can't handle cold turkey. Um, they have to legally treat you with something. It wasn't something that I was used to being treated with, but it was enough to where they monitor you every so often, make sure you're... Uh, Heart rate was good. Your vitals were good. You were hydrated. Um, they really actually took very good care of me while I was in there. I mean, it was still a nightmare, but um, yeah, yeah, and not that. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't like, and I knew that it was going to be a long stretch, and you ended up with Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and your birthday all behind bars, and uh, and that was really tough. And I, you know, you and I FaceTimed a lot. In fact, I still, I think there's still money on your books somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I still get the little notices going, you still have, you know, $40 on her book, you know, but, um, <laughs> and you know, that was really kind of important to me. You know, I, I, I forged a nice relationship with your mom and, you know, of course she was extremely worried about you too. And I think that's really hard for parents to have like a child that's like, there's just like, there's nothing you can say and nothing you can do. And you're just hoping that they, you know, that they come around. And I really honestly think that as rough as it can sound, I think that it was the absolute best thing that happened to you. So they ended up transporting you, you know, back to Kansas. And then you had a couple of charges in a couple of different counties. So you kind of bounced around a little bit. And we were trying to get you into a rehab uh, down in Florida. And for whatever reason, and in fact, Dog and Beth worked like tirelessly to try to get you in there. And uh, Karen Hurley too is, uh, was a connection of ours that um, you know did that rehab. But for some reason, it, the thing, it, things didn't line up. And, yeah. uh, and then you found something. So tell everybody what you found. And honest to God, this, if you believe in, miracles well if you don't believe in miracles you'll believe yeah, yeah. for sure um well actually i was in jail in uh, one of the counties and one of the girls had been to rehab uh, where i later went to rehab at and that's where i first heard about the place and i was just by the time i was sentenced and the corrections officer and the judge said something about rehab at that point i didn't care where i went to rehab at i just wanted to go get help i want to get out of jail and i want to get my life straight i didn't care i was willing to take any suggestion that they gave me and just get my life going so they sent me to a little town in kansas with 1500 people um today in kansas where i went to uh, kiss a life recovery and i was kind of scared at first but at the same time like i said getting out of jail and just sure trying to start over again I was like it doesn't even matter I can go somewhere where nobody knows knows me and I can just start over and um by the time I got there it was kind of crazy because um on the show you guys see at the very end the dark-haired girl um sitting with me at the video she was introduced but they kind of cut that part out so she kind of just looks like a girl hanging out with me oh. <laughs> but she was my best friend in high school before I moved to Las Vegas and then I didn't talk to her for, for, shoot, lots of years, 15 years probably. And 
when I got to Kissa, she was one of the counselors and the executive director. So can you? It's just an amazing story. It really is. And you know, and I think that it's really important to note that you know. Um, there were people in Las Vegas that actually tried to get all of your items back. So by the time you ended up where you were, you literally had nothing. Like you had nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Like that yeah. started from nothing. No car, no clothes, no curling iron, no nothing. And, you know, so for you to end up at Kissa. And the director is your BFF from school. And it's funny, you know, when, I mean, you know, when we had conversations, I remembered like some of the conversations that you and I had, like I asked you, what is it that you want to do? You know, what is it you want to do? And I was actually kind of surprised when you told me that you'd like to be, you know, a drug and alcohol counselor. And I thought, well, you certainly have the, you know, the experience to do that. And that's really even more than the education. People look to the experience because they don't want to hear about someone that's, you know, never smoked or drinked and, and, you know, talking about, you know. And and so when I I suggested, why don't you write that down and let's, you know, move forward with those kinds of goals. And so tell everyone what you ended up doing at KISSA. Well, I was uh, there for, I was supposed to only be there for 28 days and I decided to stay for the reintegration program for, it was supposed to be almost 90 days. And while I was there, they created a program for me so I could work there called the pilot program. And um, you had to have a driver's license, you had to have a car, you had to have at least, I think, 90 days clean. Um, And you had to be serious about your recovery. And I guess I was serious enough for them to give me a chance. So they decided to create this program for me to work. And it's actually opened a lot of doors for other people in recovery that are now working at KISSA. And uh, while I was there, I started out by mowing the yard. Uh, The owners of KISSA, Mark Jones and Kim Jones, uh, they let me mow to get my money so I could get my driver's license back. Um, My dad gave me his old car which I'm so grateful for and I still have today. There you go. That was my transportation, got my license back, Mm -hmm. and they gave me the job. So I decided to move to Sedan, where I stayed at for a year, almost about a year. And then I met an amazing guy named Brandon. I won't go into any other details. (laughs) But um, I now... He's very cute, very handsome. You guys are so cute together. I love it. Love, love, love. He's a very good guy. Big heart. I pray about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's just really wonderful to kind of see everything really kind of fall into place for you. There was, there were some really, you know, really crappy moments, you know, just, you know, nobody wants to watch somebody go through that. But at the same time, I just really felt like, like if you, if you had stayed in the position that you were in, in Las Vegas, you, you'd have been dead. And I believe that. I absolutely believe that. And those guys all facilitated that. And they gave, they gave not a care and concern that you were somebody's sister, you know, somebody's, you know, daughter. They gave Mm -hmm. no care and concern to any of that at all. They just, they, they literally thought it was a game and trust and believe. I researched the shit out of all three of them. I knew exactly who they were, what they did and all of that. David did too. He had IP addresses you know, we're not going to go into who they are, but 
Right. You know, let them right. live. Let them live with all of that. So tell everybody what you're doing now. I am working for a children's uh, dentistry. I am in the front office, so I do scheduling, insurance verifications, uh, checking the kiddos in. Um, a lot of things, a lot of different things I've never done before. So I was grateful for the company that hired me and gave me a chance. And yeah, um, yeah I love it because they're, like I said, they're a great company to work for. And I love the girls that I work with. The well, let's yeah. say hi to them. Who are they? What's well, the name of the company? My boss, Jocelyn, I'll say her name because we talked about it earlier, but the other girls don't know them. Oh, all right. <laughs> so they are, and the doctors that work there that are awesome, and I'm just so grateful to have the opportunity that I've had. And, um, yeah, I just continue to keep moving on with my life. And now, thanks to you, you introduced me to an amazing counselor and author, Dorian. Yes, that's also helped right. me write the book. So we've started my autobiography little over a week ago so it's in the it's in the works but um it'll be a while before we have it done but at least it started now and i'm looking forward to getting that road i'm so happy that you're doing that you know we talked about that a little bit you know about you know because you know this really is your story and i think that you got mangled a lot you know with through the tiger woods thing and you know a lot of articles have been written and you know we had spoken earlier about you know when you don't really you know you allow people to kind of fill in the blanks you don't you don't really get to say what your story is. And I realized that the dust had to settle, you know, for you to really, you know, put it kind of all together. So it made, you know, cohesive sense, but, you know, it's a story that you really should tell. And yeah. it's, you know, because you not only, you know, you know, talk the talk, but you walked it too. You walked it on all sides and you are very inspirational to anyone that because trust and believe you had some major challenges and you know you know as well as i do you know methamphetamine has like a 97 percent recidivism rate it's one of the hardest things to kick and mm -hmm. you did that you did that you did that and not only did you do that but you stood up and you achieved one of the goals that you created in jail like yeah. who gets to say that Right. Well, it really is an amazing story and you are working with Dorian and I really look forward to, you know, the first chapter. I hope I get to read some of it before, you know, it goes to publish, but I just think that that is just such a great idea. And when, when do you think, when do you expect it to be done? Oh gosh. I don't know. To be honest with these, we just started it last week and kind of got some ideas of Good. my beginning of my life, kind of Good. like where I'm at today, maybe so I think she's just going to kind of fill in the blanks as we go. So I, we're in no big rush, but I'm, I would like to get it done. So I, I don't know, oh. whenever God's ready for it to be done, it'll be done. And I would love for it to be kind of, uh, kind of like the Marilyn Monroe book. I know she has several autobiographies, but one of them has a bunch of pictures in it. Mm -hmm. And I think with all the stuff that I've been through in the media and before the media and just who doesn't like to look at pictures? So I think that that's kind of the route that we're going to take. I'm not 100% sure yet, but it's an idea that we have. And um, I, I, love, I love that idea. And the, the thing about your story is that, you know, even when I, I was Googling it earlier, I was going to actually put up a picture of it. And I don't know, it's just kind of a little tough for me, probably because I love you so much. But, you know, it's tough for me to look at the, you know, how we found you and, and what you are today. And I want people to remember, like, how you are today. And yes, I think that that book should have all that. That is part of your history and it's really nothing to be ashamed of. I just 
like to keep it on, you know, the absolute positive. And, you right. know, you, you, uh, I know that you did a lot of interviews, especially around the whole Tiger Wood thing. And I, and I think that there was probably a part of you that was probably, you know, kind of naive when it came to, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And I think that you figured out quickly of like, you know, how easily people will kind of like, you know, suck you dry and then kind of like wheel you out to the curb when they're done. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And so you want to leave anybody with any inspirational thoughts? Uh, yeah, gosh. <laughs> well, what would you uh, do? What would you say to someone that's struggling with that right now? And, and then what would you answer that question? And then what would you say to like parents? that are struggling that you and I, I had asked you a question earlier today, like what could have been said to you that would have changed your mind? And you said, well, to me, as far as that goes, that's difficult just because I'm not a parent for one thing. And I still don't know what my parents went through. I mean, I don't know, but as far as encouragement goes, um, the best thing I could recommend is for, if you're struggling with addiction um, of any sort, get help. And when you go get help, take it serious, focus on yourself and not a relationship that you have or stuff that you've been through. I mean, when you see a counselor, you meet your counselor, tell them everything that's really bothering you. Cause a lot of times that's what it is. There's something deep down inside of you that you don't even realize bothering you. And that's why you're numbing yourself. Yeah. And, um, just really take every suggestion that they have to heart. You know, if you're really done, no matter what happens in your life, don't pick back up again or don't drink again or whatever it is that you are struggling with and pray about it. You know what I mean? I think that when you try to carry the weight on your own shoulders, like you get weighed down by silly little things and you worry about anything and everything. But when you're able to let it go and let God, like it just, your whole life can just open up and you can breathe again. You can focus on what you really need to. And, um, well, you said something very interesting to me today when I asked you that question. You said uh, that it, it depends on who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. Who did you surround yourself with to, for success? I surround myself today with people that are positive, that are motivated, that want the best in life, that live their life to the fullest, and not afraid to take chances and not afraid to grow and better themselves. And that's one thing I love about my boyfriend. He encourages me to do that every day, you know, and, um, I love it's, that. yeah. So, I mean, just surround yourself with people that you want to be like, that's like when they say, when you get a sponsor, make sure the person has at least a year or, or more mm -hmm. and make sure that person has something that you want. It may not be a car, a house, whatever, but, they have their life together just look forward to whatever they've accomplished and set your goals high and then they can help you get to those goals and help you reach and stay sober and it's a journey every day one day at a time i agree i agree i think that you know using people as templates you know mm -hmm. and it may not be every single thing about one person it may be a five little things from this person and two little things from that person. And yeah. I, you know, we all need examples to live by and it changes over time. Well, I'm, so what's your five-year goal? Uh, <laughs> five year goal. I would love to be, I'd love to be married. I don't know about kids. Like I'll let God decide that one, but I would love to be married, settle down. Um, Maybe be a drug and alcohol addiction counselor. I'm still, I'm praying about that. 
to see how that goes. Um, like I said, I'm very blessed to have the job I have now, and um, I still support anybody and everybody in recovery as much as I can. Right. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and I love re reading positive messages from people in recovery. And um, yeah. yeah, I have a family. Like I like said, I don't know about kids, but having a family. Hopefully, Apple, she'll still be around. Let me get her oh, out. Oh, my little baby. I love her so much. Well, listen, don't forget, Auntie Rainey is a reverend, so I can marry you. Yes. Uh, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the other thing is, is like, you know, I'm just really happy. Oh, my little baby. I love you, Apple. Apple. I love you, love you, baby. <laughs> like, whatever. Cover me up. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm glad that the world gets to see you. I'm glad that, Thanks. you know we deserve to see you. We deserve to see you exactly how you are and the gifts that you have to give, you know, and we knew that all of that was all buried in there somewhere. And uh, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm so proud of you for, it was just not a tough road. I mean, it wasn't an easy road. It was a tough road. And I'm just so proud of you no one could have done it except you we could all stand around we could hold your hand we could lock arms we can dry your tears we can do all of that stuff but at the end of the day it's you and you did it you did Thanks. it. you did it and i'm so super proud of you you want to leave anybody with some good thoughts uh well <laughs> don't give I'm up <laughs> yes yeah don't yeah. Matter what, uh, pray about everything and just keep pushing forward. Don't just settle. You deserve more than what you've been given. Um, everybody's going to struggle with stuff in life. It's life, but exactly yourself and you believe that you can do better and you can be successful and do whatever you want to. You can have a happy, healthy life if you choose to do it. Oh, I agree. You're such a beautiful little soul. And, you know, I, just your words, I know, are going to help a lot of people, a lot of people that struggle with that or their children or, you know, all of it. We're all connected and we're all somebody's daughter and somebody's brother and somebody's mother. And, you know, we're all connected. So I'm super proud of you, sweetheart. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you next time. Savage wow. Words Podcast.